Hey, thanks for checking out this sermon. It's designed to help you take your next step with Jesus. And if you haven't been able to make it to one of our campuses and participate in the time of giving, you could do so online through our website or by texting to give so that you can continue to participate in the mission that God has given us. We hope that God speaks to you through this sermon. moment about some of your most embarrassing moments in life. I would bet that a lot of them revolve around words that were said. Like when I went on a cruise in college with some friends and we're eating lunch one day at one of those community style restaurants and the lady sitting across from me, who's a complete stranger, turns to me and says, Oh, sweetheart, when are you due? I wasn't. I was not due. I was not due. And she was horrifically embarrassed in that moment. And so, of course, she apologized over and over and over again the entire meal, which only made the situation worse. Guys, moral of the story, never ask a woman when she is due, okay? It does not matter how obvious her pregnancy is. Just don't do it. I will save, your, save yourself the embarrassment. It's not worth it, okay? Think now about some of your biggest regrets in life. I bet that they revolve around words that we said, what we said, when we said it, how we said it, how what we said was received by the person we said it to. Like when Garrett and I were dating and I told him that the love letters he wrote to me were repetitive and redundant. Yeah, just a double jab there, you know? I'm still paying for that one. Those times where we didn't think through the words. They were words that were actually better left unsaid, but we said them and we immediately wish we could take them back. Isn't it true though? That at the same time, some of our greatest, most joyful moments in life revolve around words that were said. I love you. I'm so proud of you. You're hired. The cancer's gone. Will you marry me? It's a boy. The St. Louis Cardinals are World Series champions. Just me? Okay, that one's just for me. And see, this is why I believe there isn't a single person here on any of our campuses today, in any of our venues, watching online, reading this as a part of CF Insight, I don't think that any one of us would argue with the point that words have power. 
Words have power. And today we're gonna spend 12 verses in James chapter three, where James takes the majority of this chapter simply a talking about this topic, the power of our words. If you have your Bible with you, go ahead and turn there now or open your Bible app. James chapter three. You see, the theme of the book of James is do something with your faith. Over and over again, James tells us, hey, if you aren't gonna do anything with what you believe, you might as well not believe. But here in the middle of the book, in chapter three, it's like James takes a time out from all of the doing. And he says, yes, it's, it's so important that you don't just talk the talk, that you also walk the walk. But at the same time, never forget how incredibly important and powerful your talk actually is. Here's what James says to us. Chapter three, verse one. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. I love this verse. I'm terrified of this verse, right? Because I'm someone who stands up here and instructs others when it comes to the word of God. And the words that I speak can influence someone in the right or in the wrong direction. I don't take that lightly. I can't take that lightly. James says, I will be judged more strictly because of it. You know, sometimes I'll hear people say, usually in like an attempt to excuse their own behavior, they'll say something like, well, you know, pastors are just held to a different standard. But that's actually not true. No, James doesn't say I'm held to a different standard. He just says, I will be judged more strictly, but to the same standard that all of us, anyone who would call themselves a follower of Christ, the same standard all of us are held to. And I think it's important to realize, James, he isn't only talking about pastors who preach here. No, he's talking to any believer who teaches, who instructs others, especially when it comes to the word of God. Maybe for you, you teach or you instruct others in the classroom or in your place of work. You're a boss, you're a supervisor, you're a manager. Uh, maybe for you, you are teaching, you're instructing others as a mentor, as a community group leader, as a leader with our kids or our student ministries. Maybe for you, you are, you are leading, you are in teaching, instructing others as a parent or a grandparent, as a guardian or an older sibling. The list could go on and on and James says, hey, if you teach, if you instruct others, you have to give serious consideration to the words that come out of your mouth. And then he continues on. Look at verse two. We all stumble in many ways. Okay, circle, underline, highlight that word all. We all stumble in many ways. James is saying, hey, all right, don't hear what I'm about to say and then immediately think about someone else who needs to hear this, right? We do that, don't we? I'm guilty of that, where I'm like, I'll hear a message and I'll be like, oh, that's so good. Oh, why wasn't so-and-so here today? It's okay, I'll, I'll send them the link to the sermon later this week. But James would say, no, like we all stumble in many ways when it comes to our words, when it comes to our mouth. And so we first, we gotta look inward before we look outward. And then he continues on. Anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect able to keep their whole body in check. Now that's an interesting thought. 
that James would say, hey, if you gain control of your mouth, if you gain control of the words that you speak, you will actually gain control of your entire body or, or better yet, gain control of your entire person, your entire self, essentially your entire life. That's how powerful our words are. Think about it. There's no other part of our body that has that much control and influence over who we are. And then James, he goes on to illustrate this point in verse three. He says, when we put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Growing up, I took a few horseback riding lessons. It is the craziest feeling. I don't know if you've ever ridden a horse before, but it is the craziest feeling, especially as like a 50 pound seven-year-old who's like this big, to be sitting on top of a horse and I'm able to control this giant mammoth of an animal simply because I'm holding the reins that are connected to the bit in its mouth. See, James is saying a bit, it's a small part, but it has big influence. And then for those of us who maybe are absolutely deathly terrified of horses, James has your back. He gives you another illustration. Look at verse four. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Okay, so the ships James talking about, they're not like the cruise ships we see today or our naval ships we think about today. Uh, but here's what an ancient merchant ship might have looked like in James's day. It has huge sails. It would have held about 200 people. It would have held tons and tons worth of cargo, but then this itty bitty rudder, even if the winds were strong, the rudder would control the direction the ship would go. Again, James is saying, small part, big influence. Look at verse five. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Okay, think about the size of your tongue for a minute, especially in comparison to the rest of your body. I mean, it's three to four inches long on average. We're talking about like a whopping two and a half ounces in weight. Yet, this itty bitty part of our body has big influence. See here, James, uh, he's gonna show us the first of three things about the power of our words. See, just like a bit in a horse's mouth controls the direction the horse will go, just like a rudder on a ship controls the direction the ship will go, James is saying that our words determine the direction of our lives. Our words determine the direction of our lives. Think about it. Our words are what got us our jobs. Our words are what got us through school. Whether in spoken form or written form, your words are what got you your degree. Our words are what get us our dates. Our words are what get us our friendships. Our words are what get us out of traffic tickets. Our words, they have great influence. They determine the direction of our lives. And then James, he continues on. And he says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Now, James's audience probably had to imagine this illustration. Unless, of course, they had seen a forest fire take place in person. But you gotta remember, they didn't have TV or the internet like we do today. But we do not have to imagine this, do we? Especially as Californians. Now, just four months ago, we witnessed the campfire which was the deadliest, most destructive wildfire in California history. 
It was the deadliest wildfire in American history in the past 100 years. It's why we're doing the fun drive this weekend where we're donating all of our stuff, we're filling up the big truck so Savers gives us 10 grand and Cornerstone matches that and we can continue to send money and resources to the survivors of the campfire. Because we don't have to imagine what thousands and thousands and thousands of acres, what what millions and millions of dollars worth of real estate and homes and businesses being completely destroyed completely wiped out. We don't have to imagine what that's like. We don't have to imagine 85 people losing their lives. We don't have to imagine thousands of families losing everything they have. All because of a little flame. James says a small spark. Don't laugh, this happens to you too at home. There we go. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Man, you made me blow it out. Small flame, but a vast impact. Like a small flame, but an enormous amount of destruction and death. Our words determine the direction of our lives. James continues on. Look at verse six. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Really, James? Like, I know words are powerful, okay? I know that they have a big impact, but you're saying words can set the entire course of my life on fire? A little dramatic, don't you think? Well, think about this. Today, as I stand up here today with this little microphone strapped to my face, I could completely ruin my career simply by my words. Think about it. I could stand up here, I could say whatever I wanted, and then next weekend, Pastor Steve Madsen would have to get up here and be like, well, you all remember Becky, right? You know what happened last weekend. She will not be back. (laughs) All because of the words I spoke. Our words determine the direction of our lives. I have the potential to burn down my relationships, my career, my future, simply with my words. And the same is true for each of you. And you know, if this truth wasn't sobering enough, James would add, hey, just like a fire destroys everything around it, your words, they don't only have the power to destroy us, No, our words have the power to destroy everyone around us. Our words impact the direction of other people's lives. Isn't it true that some of the greatest pains we've experienced in life, like some of the greatest, deepest sorrow that we carry with us is a result of words that were spoken to us or about us, words that were written to us or about us. Maybe it was from a parent or a sibling. Maybe it was from a teacher or a coach. Words that were even spoken five, 10, 50 years ago in some cases. 
Yet the wound those words inflicted, man, we still carry that with us. We've all heard the children's rhyme, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That rhyme is a complete lie. Like words absolutely hurt us. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but you know what? Words go places sticks and stones could never go. I mean, words go straight to the soul. Words go straight to the self-esteem and they destroy. There's not a single person here who's listening to this, who's, who's watching online, who has not personally experienced the hurt that can happen in our own lives as a result of someone else's words. Here's the unbelievable part though. Even though we know that words hurt, even though we have personally experienced someone else's words causing tremendous hurt in our own lives, we still go around and we scorch those around us with our words. And James says, we're like a fire. We scorch our coworkers with our words of gossip or offensive humor. We go around and we scorch our kids with our sarcasm and with our criticism. We go around and we scorch our roommates, our our parents, our, our spouses with our words of pride and anger. James says, we're like a fire. My biggest regrets in my marriage are not things that I have done, but words that I have spoken to Garrett. Words that discouraged him. Words that tore him down. Words that belittled him. Words that shamed him. My biggest regrets as a mom are not things I have done, but words that I have spoken. My oldest, Hudson, he just turned three last month. He's an incredible kid. Like 95% of the time. The other 5%, man, he can throw epic tantrums. Ugh, two and three, they're rough. And more often than that, I'd like to admit it, in those moments, I totally blown it with the words that I've spoken to him. Words of frustration, words of anger, words of annoyance. Words where the moment they leave my lips, I can actually see it with my own eyes. There's a change in his demeanor because those words, they went straight to the heart and they crushed his little spirit. Parents, we are shaping our child's self-esteem with the words that we speak to them. We are shaping our child's self-esteem with the words we do not speak to them but we should speak to them. As a parent, our words carry the most influence than anyone else in the lives of our child. My biggest regrets come from words I have spoken, and man, I know I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. And then what do we do? We're confronted about it, and we defend ourselves, right? Self-preservation. And how do we defend ourselves? With more words. I was just kidding. Don't be so sensitive, it was just a joke. Hey, I didn't actually mean it. 
you know what, I was just really angry in that moment. Hey, you know, yeah, I just, I wasn't being myself. I'm really stressed. Hey, I was just being honest. James says, church, wake up. Wake up. Like, don't you see your tongue can set the course of your whole life on fire as well as the lives of those around you? And then he continues on, look at verse seven. James says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. James is saying, hey, unlike all of the animals that have been tamed over the course of human history, no one can tame the tongue. No man could fully control the tongue. It is a restless evil. It's a deadly poison. Now, James, he's focused on our spoken words, right? That, that, that's the audience he wrote to. They, they, they spoke most of their words. They didn't have access to writing or the internet like we do today. But you better believe if James was writing this book in 2019, he would most definitely address our written word as well. See, the reality is, whether it's through email or texting or tweeting or some other form of social media, we are weaponizing our words in ways that we have never experienced before because of technology. All right, like think about it. There are words we would never even consider saying to someone's face, but we don't even bat an eye when we push send. Think about it, technology. It's given us the power to destroy someone's self-esteem, to destroy someone's reputation, to destroy someone's life, and we don't even have to be in the same room as them. We don't even have to look them in the eye while we do it. Our words, they determine the direction of our lives. Our words impact the direction of other people's lives. Here's one more thing that James is gonna show us about the power of our words. Look at verse nine. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You know, if we are at the beach, we wouldn't take a, 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 and fill a water bottle up with ocean water and then go to drink it and expect it to taste like fresh water. Why? Because we know the water's gonna taste like its source, right? The ocean is salt water. In the same way, we wouldn't go to a fig tree and expect to pick olives from it. No, because the tree is gonna produce what's at the source. Have you ever noticed that when you go to the doctor for like a physical or routine checkup, one of the things they'll have you do is stick out your tongue, uh, right? Why? Because what's on your tongue, it will actually often reveal underlying health conditions. A doctor can tell a lot about what's going on simply by looking at your tongue. And just as the tongue says a lot about our physical health, our words say a lot about our spiritual health. See, the third point James is making is our words reveal the condition of our heart. And this is actually not an original thought to James. Jesus was the first one who taught this. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says this, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Your words will show you. 
That's how you know what's in, inside. That's how you know who you are. You don't have to worry and, and, and wonder if you have an angry heart or if you have a critical heart or a jealous heart or an insecure heart or a private, prideful heart. No, you, you just gotta look at the words that you speak. Our words determine the direction of our lives. Our words impact the direction of other people's lives. They reveal the condition of our hearts. That's how powerful words are. Now here's the interesting thing. Remember, James, he's like a straight to the point kind of writer, isn't he? We've seen over the past four weekends, he always gives practical application. But here, in chapter three, James spends 12 verses simply talking about the power of our words. And then we get to verse 13, right? And we're expecting James to say, okay, because your words are so powerful, here's what you can do as a result. But no, what does he do? He changes topics on us. I mean, think about that. That begs us to ask the question, why? Why is that? Like for someone who is so focused on doing, for, for the guy who is the most practical writer in all of scripture, why does he spend 12 verses simply talking about the power of our words and then doesn't give us any practical application afterwards? See, I believe this is because James is trying to make this point crystal clear. There is no once and for all solution. There is no once and for all solution when it comes to our words. There is no, okay, you know, do these three things, follow this formula, you'll be good to go. There is no, hey, once you reach a certain age, once you mature in your faith to a certain level, then you're done, you won't have to worry about this anymore. No, James is saying this is constant. This is constant. You will never be able to tame the tongue. He's trying to sear it, not just into our heads, but into our hearts, that you are an incredibly powerful person, whether you feel that or not. That everywhere you go, you bring along with you a deadly weapon. Every time you open your mouth, every time you send that text, every time you post online, remember the power that you are wielding. Now, I thought about like pulling a James here and just saying, okay, end of sermon, like good luck, go home. But I won't do that to you. Because yes, it's true that there is no once and for all solution. Yes, it's true that our, our tongue is untamable. It cannot be completely controlled. But one thing that scripture says can be done when it comes to our tongue, it might not be controlled, but it can absolutely be guarded. Scripture talks a lot about guarding our tongue, guarding our mouth, guarding our words. So here are three things that will help us do just that. The first way to guard our tongue, start with the heart. Start with the heart. The place we have to start is at the source. Think about it. The only way to stop spewing angry words is not just to try harder, right? It's not just to be like, okay, today I'm not gonna yell at my kids. You'll probably yell at your kids. No, the only way to address angry words is to address the angry heart. The only way to address critical words is to address the critical heart. And we do that through surrender. Because church, only God can change the heart. We can't change our hearts. We can't fix our own brokenness. Only God can do that. And here's the promise God gives us in Ezekiel 36 about our hearts. He says, I will give you a new heart. 
and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, a pliable heart, a moldable heart. That's what that means. You know, sometimes it's easy to just excuse our speech or, it, or excuse the words that someone else speaks by just saying, you know, well, that's just who they are. You know, oh, grandpa, he's always been like that. He'll never change. But that's not true. Mm, not if you're a follower of Jesus. That's not true. God changes our hearts when we surrender our hearts and our lives to him, not just one time, but man, on a daily basis. Hey, I totally blew it, God. I took control yesterday, but God, I surrender to you today. When we do that, God will change our hearts. He'll replace our angry heart with one of joy. He'll replace our insecure heart with one of hope. And our words will change as a result. The second thing we can do to guard our tongues is actually advice James gave us all the way back in chapter one, verse 19, when he said, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Oh, this one's so hard for me. It's so hard for me, especially when I feel like I'm right, which is often. Especially when I feel like I'm the one who's been wronged. Ooh, especially when it comes to those who are closest to me. I, in fact, I switch these around. I do the opposite. I am slow to listen and quick to speak. What if, though, we could build a habit before we even opened our mouths, we actually took the time to think? To think. To ask ourselves these questions. Is it true? Is what I'm about to say helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Man, I totally get it. This is like that cheesy poster you see on the wall at your kid's school. But it's so true. Think of how our lives would change. Think of how different our relationships would work if we actually went through these questions in our heads before we even spoke. Start with the heart. Be quick to listen. And then here's the third thing. When you do speak, choose life-giving words. Choose life-giving words. Yes, our words have the power to cause unbelievable hurt and pain and destruction in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. But here are some of the positive things that scripture says about the power of our words. Proverbs 12 says, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Proverbs 12 also says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 10 says, the mouth of the righteous is a well of life. I love that imagery. That our words could be this well, this like deep resource of life for ourselves and for others. You know, I would not be a pastor at Cornerstone. I actually wouldn't be a pastor at all if it wasn't for the words that my parents, that Garrett, that Steve Ingold, that Steve Madsen spoke to me seven years ago now. Words that affirmed the calling God placed on my life. Words that identified strengths 
that they saw in me. Words that communicated their confidence in me and, and words that encouraged me to step out, to overcome fear, to trust God. They are words that spoke life to me and my life has been changed as a result. You know, I bet every single one of us, we could think of people who have affirmed us, encouraged us, built us up simply with their words. Words that maybe even were spoken five, 10, 50 years ago now, but they have stuck with us ever since. Those words have impacted the direction of our lives and we're where we are today. We are who we are today because of them. See church, our words They can hurt or they can heal. They can destroy or they could develop. They can bring death or they can bring life. So here's the question I have for you. How will you use your words? How will you use your words? I'll close with this. King David, the greatest king in all of Israel. He's described as a man after God's own heart. He wrote Psalm 141. And in this psalm, he just says a prayer. It's a simple prayer. And I've begun to pray this prayer each and every single day. The prayer is this. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Okay, it's your turn. You ready? We're gonna say this all together. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. See, I believe David understood this truth that James teaches us long before James even wrote it. The tongue is untamable. It cannot be completely controlled. It can only be guarded. And who better to guard it than God? I mean, who better to surrender our heart, to surrender our words, our mouth to than God? So here's my challenge. Here's my next step for each of you guys as you head out today. My challenge is that you would pray this prayer every single day for the next seven days. As you wake up in the morning, as you're getting ready, that you would pray, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. That as you're heading to school, as you're heading into a meeting, as you're heading to your kid's baseball practice, that you would pray, God, Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. That as you're hanging out with your friends, as you're spending time with family, before you go to bed at night, you would just pray, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. See, church, I believe as we do this, we'll begin to see a change, a real change in our words a consistent change in our words, not because we try harder, but because we surrender our hearts to God. And just like he promised, he'll change our hearts, he'll change our words, and we'll be people who bring life, not just to ourselves, but to others as a result. I'm gonna close with prayer, but here's what I wanna ask you to do. If you feel comfortable, just put your hands out like this. This is just, putting our hands out like this is a, is a, is a sign of surrender. It's a posture of surrender. And I'm gonna pray Psalms 141.3 over us right now. God, we ask, we come before you humbly and we ask that you would set a guard over our mouths. 
God, we ask that you would be the one who keeps watch at the door of our lips. God, we acknowledge that we struggle with our words. Every single one of us, no one is exempt from it. But Lord, we want to be a people. We want to be a church who are increasing more and more each day in our ability to be quick to listen, slow to speak. But God, we can't do that through our own will, through our own own power. We need you. We need you to change our hearts. And so reveal to us those areas of our lives, those, those dark crevices of our hearts, Lord, that we need to turn over to you. We need to surrender to you and allow you to take that heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh so that we can actually be a people whose words bring life to everyone around us. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in your holy name.